Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. My name is Mark, and uh, uh, I am guilty, guilty as charged of false advertising. Uh, I preached last week. And I mentioned that Trudy would be uh, preaching today, um, but unfortunately, uh, on Friday night uh, and Saturday morning, Trudy began to get ill and is unable to preach today. So I'm preaching instead, but she will be giving the sermon she was going to give last week, which sort of was a follow-on from what I spoke about. She's going to give that uh, next week. So I encourage you to come back to hear that. So you have me. But what I'm doing is continuing the series that we're currently in, which is called Christ in Us, Christ Through Us. Christ in Us, Christ Through Us. And what I felt really compelled to talk about today was an element of our spiritual lives that so many miss. You could almost call it a missing ingredient, which leaves many people frustrated with their spiritual lives, frustrated with their lives, frustrated sometimes with the impact of the church, There is a missing element that is really key to understand when we talk about this topic, Christ in us, Christ through us. To dig into this, I want to read from the scriptures. We're going to begin at Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. So if you want to turn to your Bibles, it'll also be up on the screen. Jesus has uh, uh, done his work on the cross, dying, taking the burden of sin upon himself, He's risen from the grave after three days. He's been appearing to the disciples and others. And then this is one of his sort of last communications to the group of disciples. It says this. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The missing ingredient, the missing factor which often leaves us with spiritual lives which seem to falter and stumble, is Christ's authority in you, working through you. Now, often we can miss this. When we think about Jesus working through us, rightly, we think of the ways in which he can emotionally help uh, heal us, the ways in which we can feel his presence. All of that is correct, and we've been talking about that, but we can miss this really key element that when we talk about Christ being in us and working through us, we also are talking about his authority. And what this means is those who have chosen to follow Jesus, give their lives to him, then have his authority in us and working through us. Now, before we can take this apart, we have to clear away some of the debris that comes before us when we talk about authority. Because we've got a bunch of ideas that we've picked up from our world, from our society about really the sense of what an authority is. 
When you think of an authority, you may think of a police officer, a mayor, president, maybe even a pilot of a plane, someone who is given authority because they have positional authority. They've taken on a role, and when they've signed on the line, had the ceremony, whatever it may be, put on the uniform, then they are a recognized authority. Some of you may have that in the job that you do. Then there's another kind of authority. When we moved into this building, one of the first things we wanted to do when we got into this building, we noticed that there was a fantastic kitchen. And I don't know if you've ever been in the kitchen back there, but it has an incredible like stove. Like it's got 27 burners on top, not really, but just incredible. And all of the people who love hospitality and love cooking and love providing just were absolutely raring at the gate to get in there and cook. We had a bunch of people in the building. We wanted to put on this lunch for everyone. And we got to the point where, okay, now it's time to start preparing the food. I think it may be in between services. I can't remember exactly. But we realized that this incredible stove, no one knew how to turn the gas on. So you had literally like seven or eight people all hovering around the stove, somewhere on their knees, somewhere like trying to pull it out, look behind, people trying to sniff the gas coming out, people pressing starters. It was quite a comedic vision. Now, if someone had walked in at that stage and said, I know how to do this, that at that point would be an authority. Now, would they be an authority positionally? We couldn't have cared less if literally someone just wandered off the street, someone we'd never seen before, and maybe someone who smelt bad or wore stupid clothing. We would not care because actually at that point, authority would have been, expert, or expertise would have been authority. So it's the second kind of authority that we bump up against to, expertise authority. We saw in the pandemic, have people who were COVID uh, or SARS experts. I, I did a podcast early on in the pandemic with someone who was a, a, a global SARS expert, and they just had this sort of academic field. And all of a sudden in the pandemic, when the whole world wants to know how SARS 2.0 and COVID works, this person all of a sudden became a recognized authority. Because positional authority, expertise authority. But then there's a third one. Maybe this is you, maybe it's not. Social authority, charisma, humor, the way you carry yourself, confidence. Maybe it's your looks, your style. There are certain people which come into a room and people want to impress them. People want to be noticed by them. People want to hear their opinion. People want them to come to their party because they have some kind of sort of charismatic thing to their personality. They carry social authority. Maybe it's just that person who seems to know everyone and network and link in all the relationships. That's another kind of authority. So all of those images of authority come to mind when we're looking at the subject of Christ's authority. But I just wanted to add another dimension And I want to say that at this moment, authority is very out of fashion. Authority is out of vogue. We've seen institutions, we've seen leaders in authority seemingly drained of authority. We're at a moment where leaders, institutions are constantly questioned. Just talk to a teacher, someone who works in sort of feedback in any sort of front-facing organization, and you see this. Now, the other interesting thing that's happening at the moment is for many years, people were willing to put up with some of the challenges that came with being a figure of authority because perhaps the pay was good, perhaps it gave you a sense of status. But one of the things that's happened since the pandemic is the great resignation, which is 
people resigning from jobs, but there's also another kind of great resignation happening, which is, and hearing this from people in all different fields, that at the hospital, no one anymore wants to put their hand up and run that department. At the school, no one wants to run the year level. No one at work wants to head that project. People now are choosing lifestyle over taking on authority, the status that may come with that. There's even workplaces which are pumping up the money for people to take these roles and people aren't taking them because few people want authority anymore. So when we talk about Christ's authority, it runs into these things. But what we need to do is we need to understand and return to the scriptures and see that when we talk about authority in Christ, it's a very different thing to these models of authority that we see in the world. Let's look at a passage of scripture to see how this works from Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus' ministry is just beginning He has been baptized, he's been in the wilderness, and he begins his public ministry. And straight away, this issue of authority comes to the fore. (coughs) So the disciples he's called to himself, that's who he's talking about, that's the they in this. They went to Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching. Were they amazed because... He was this incredible positional leader where they're like, oh, that's so-and-so. He holds that position. No. Were they amazed because he was recognized as one of the great experts in, in the Hebrew scriptures of person who had all these academic qualifications? No. The scriptures don't talk about Jesus being super attractive or super confident or super socially command a party or just brilliant at jokes. But the people are amazed. When he teaches, why? What goes on, it says this, because he taught them as one who had authority. Not as the teachers of the law, they were the ones with the expertise. Just then, and this is key, a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, what do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed. Again, they're amazed. And they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Now, at this time, it was like sport to watch people give talks. The ancient Greeks had created this whole thing of rhetoric, and people would go literally to sort of small stadiums and watch people give incredible talks. It was like TED Talks, but 10 times bigger. That was their you know, football that people would go and watch. And so they're not saying about Jesus what you read in the ancient sources. This person was filled with incredible intelligence or this person was filled with incredible rhetorical skills or this person was using stories brilliantly. No, what they're speaking about is his authority. It stuns them. Why? (coughs) Well, I think part of the clue to this is there's two stories in this. There's the story of Jesus teaching and people are amazed by that. But then there's the story that 
this person reacts and actually what's reacting is something inside of them is a spiritual dark force, an impure spirit, which recognizes what's really going on here. Jesus is not coming in his like in a human authority per se, he's coming because he's the Holy One of God. There is something deeper spiritual going on here. This was an authority that was clearly recognized by the evil spirits who understood where this authority came from. <coughs> this was the authority of heaven come to earth. Now, what we see in the scriptures it's a story doesn't just continue with Jesus rocking around, giving speeches in synagogues, displaying this authority, becoming the great teacher, going to those small sort of amphitheaters where people would listen to talks and becoming the number one speaker. No, Jesus does something quite amazing. He begins to delegate his authority. Now, in Genesis, when humans were created, the primary reason that humans are created by God is to be in relationship with him and also to then be agents of his authority on earth. A steward of God's authority. If you are in trouble overseas and you're an Australian citizen, you can call on the Australian government to help you. And a steward of Australia's authority, even though you're in another land, will come a consular official and help you out. Even if you've done something wrong, like break the law. A police officer carries a badge and a uniform which shows that they have authority from the state deferred to them. So humans, in their primary reason for being born and created and God bringing humans into the cosmos, is they are to be agents of God's authority. And take that authority to multiply and go forth to the ends of the world. Now, this had broken down because in the garden, the humans hadn't taken God's authority. They'd taken their own authority. They'd listened to the whisper of the snake, which says, what if you could be like God's? In other words, take your authority. And this act of disobedience then brings a curse and the fall and sin comes into the world. And humans lose this Agency. It's like a police officer who's convicted of corruption. They lose that role then to be this agent of the state's power. <coughs> but what we see happening in Jesus is Jesus begins to do something really quite fascinating. In Mark 6, verse 7, the disciples who've been following Jesus closely, walking in his way, in Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 7, it says this, Calling the twelve, the disciples to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over impure spirits. This amazing authority which Jesus had, where even the evil spirits recognized it, he now is then delegating that authority to these twelve disciples. And this just continues. After Jesus' work on the cross, his resurrection Jesus tells the disciples, soon to become apostles or sent ones in his authority. This is the discipleship community, which will soon become the church when the Spirit comes with power. He says this, and this is the passage we began with. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. We're going to come back to that. 
Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have taught until the end of the age. Jesus' plan is a plan of giving away authority. Jesus' plan is not that Jesus then rocks around the world for how many thousand years and does it all just himself. His plan is to give away authority to others, to delegate it. This means when we talk about Christ's authority, we're not talking about positional authority. We're not talking about expertise authority. We're not talking about social authority. We're not talking about a sense of authority, which oh, I'm going to do because I get an extra pay rise and maybe I get a bit of status with it. This is something completely different. This is an authority that comes not from us, but actually from Christ. Christ in us, working through us. Christ's identity in us, working through us. Once we give our lives to Jesus, his authority works through us. It's an authority delegated and distributed through us. And the kingdom of God, which Jesus announces, is actually his language for the places and where this authority is now operating. And we call to live kingdom lives. When we do that, we're actually according to, to living as stewards of the king. And when a kingdom is a place where your authority is over, the authority of the Australian government is over the place where the government rules over. Even in far-flung places in the Indian Ocean, like the Cocos Islands or Christmas Islands, these tiny islands, that's still part of Australia. The Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, has, has authority over those places. That's what the kingdom of God is, a place where God's authority is at play. Our authority in Christ comes from Him operating in us. This is how we are to approach life, to step in His authority as we live our lives, our vocations, in the midst of our relationships. Without His authority, doing this stuff as a Christian, it's always going to be the missing ingredient. We're to step into His authority as we face temptations and trials, which may seem too big for us. We're to do mission to share the good news, to help the poor, not in our own strength, but in his authority. But once we do this, we are going to face three challenges that come against us. What you clearly see in the Gospels is as Jesus comes into the world, as his ministry becomes public, as his authority becomes clear, he instantly comes up against some challenges. The first one Jesus experiences is the challenge of the authorities of his time. Jesus comes up against the authorities of Rome, of the religious leaders. He even has, probably more humiliating, like that's sort of cool, like up against the forces. He's literally preaching and people are amazed at his authority and his mum turns up. And he's like, all right, son, come on. This is getting embarrassing. Come on home now. Like, if that did not rob you of your authority, I don't know what else would. Like, there's something humiliating. It's like, all right, mummy's boy, come on, come home now. But this tells us something really key. When you step into Jesus' authority, you are going to come against things within our culture which don't align with God. That's inevitable. I think many have been let down by the church in the last little while. 
particularly last 20 years, where we've been taught a message that, hey, if you follow Jesus, here's this really cool way of doing it, and you can be really cool and follow Jesus because following Jesus is really cool, and if you follow Jesus and you can be really cool, people are going to think you're cool, and everything's going to be cool. And then you do that, and you find at work that people are suspicious of you. All the culture has different views or sees this as a threat. There's something that happens that's not even rational where actually the authority of Jesus is going to come against the authority that the culture has taken upon itself. So that's number one. The second thing that you will see is just as Jesus walks into the synagogue and it's a lovely synagogue morning, sort of like what we're doing here, and then instantly you're into this spiritual battle and a demon like manifests and is like, you know, frustrated and yelling at Jesus. When you step into your authority, the enemy does not want you stepping into your authority in Christ. Clear. Enemy does not want it. You step into that. You're stepping into a kind of spiritual battle. That's number two. But the third one I really want to focus on is, and this is probably harder to get our minds around, but I think this is really profound and I think a reframing that can actually change how you you live your life. You'll come against an authority that's in your inner world. Some of you will know this. Maybe it's happening now where it's like a voice. You're not good enough. Why are you here? What are you doing? Maybe you're here and you're worrying about something that's going to happen on Monday. Maybe you're wondering what your social position is in a room like this. Maybe you're comparing yourself to other people. Maybe the voice is a voice of a father figure, a mother figure who's criticizing you. Maybe it's the voice of a crowd. Maybe it's the voice of friends. Maybe it's the voice of your principal or your primary school teacher from 30 years ago. And so many people have this voice, this voice of self-hatred. You're not good enough. You look terrible. It can be a voice of doubt. Yeah, but did Jesus really say that? That spiritual experience that you had then, was it just feelings? And you've got this thing inside you And if you think about it, think about it in this way. We never think about it. You just think about that as that is there. And what I realize is, why do we think that voice has authority? And what if that voice is actually an authority inside of us that's just rocking around in your inner world and you're letting it take authority? It's like some absolute know-it-all, arrogant idiot at a party who's just rocking around like the cynic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you would say that. You know, yes, I know your holiday in Italy was fantastic, but you've obviously never holidayed on the Croatian coast. <laughs> it's good you got that promotion, but get back to me when you've graduated from Harvard with distinctions. <laughs> this continual voice. You meet these people at parties. They're like an authority. They take authority. They're continually a cynic. They've got a problem all the time. In church, you continually meet them, and they're the people who can do church 10 times better than you can. They can do your job better than you can. They can do your life better than you can. So you meet them. So we've all met that person and we think they're an idiot. But then we let one rock around our inner world and it has complete authority just to talk at you in negative self-talk. Like, who is this guy? It's like a peacock just rocking around, like with cynical comments. I did in the first service go into a whole Mick Jagger impersonation, which I don't think I'm going to repeat it. I turned the voice into Mick Jagger. Um which didn't really work from a logical sense, but everyone was laughing. But I'm not going to do that again. 
But, sorry, sorry. That's what you're going to get here early. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, 11 is fine. Um, but forget, think about you have a voice which you've never questioned and you let it invert authority against yourself. So when God does something, when you step forward into something, that voice is coming against you. And let me tell you now, when you begin to step into authority in Christ, that voice is going to rise up. This is what you really want. If you do that, this is going to happen. Who are you to step into that? You're going to look like an idiot. And just rocking around inside your inner world, absolutely running amok, and you've let that sucker into your house. Like you wouldn't let that person into your house for a dinner party, yet we just let them have run of the mill inside your house. Your doubts about yourself, about faith, your insecurities, they're just inverted authority directed inwards, which we let something continually undermine our beliefs and continually give it authority. Why do we give authority to the voice of self-doubt? You know why? It's exhausting living under your own authority. Now, when we experience this and we want to step into the authority of Christ, you've got to understand there's a battle. Now, I talked about how the church has let us down, sometimes by saying you can live this cool life of faith and it's never going to have any challenges. Well, equally, the culture has let us down. The last 10 to 20, 30 years have been one where we've actually almost tricked people that they can have this life where you're going to have this incredible, endless possible possibilities, endless pleasures, everything's wonderful, just look inside, let your desires out, everything's wonderful, it's just going to be great. Now, for a while, you could follow that line because the world seemed to be improving, the world seemed to be getting better. We had the highest standard of living ever, but it's not looking so secure now. Energy crisis, inflation. I bought a Mars bar yesterday. I have not done that for a long time. Mars bars have shrunk from 60 grams. I think they went to 50. And now they're 47. <laughs> and things are shrinking because things are becoming more expensive. So instead of pumping the price up, they're just shrinking everything. So check your pasta, check your cornflakes next time. Things are shrinking. This is a cause we can all get behind. <laughs> so you're at the front of the supermarket. But we see the effect that a war in Ukraine can have on global standards of living, and it hasn't even really kicked in yet. We see what a pandemic can do. There's an increasing sense of, of worry about the world, and the myth that the world can offer you this life without any difficulty is increasingly being shown up. So we're trained that if something is difficult and awkward and weird and I've got to push through it, it's bad, retreat from it. So I'm going to tell you now, stepping into your identity in Christ, there's going to be a bit of a struggle because you're coming against some principalities, some powers, some flesh, some culture stuff. But because we've not been, been formed by our culture to step into difficulty, we've been taught to run from pain or that somewhere there's some giant primary school teacher in the sky who's going to make sure everyone gets a prize. That means we live with no hope, no vision of what hopeful living could be. And the danger then is we don't go for authority in Christ. We actually just go for acceptance of the status quo. 
Now, I think that Angus sharing with us before is actually a cute, amazing, but actually really prophetic. I, this week, spoke to my friend David Kinderman, who's um, wrote a book that we did a series on in 2019 called Faith for Exiles. And he's the head of probably one of the world's leading, if I think it is the world's leading demography uh, institution. It studies how people think, how they think about faith and everything. And, and they did this massive study all across the world of particularly the faith life of young adults. I spoke to him this week. And, he, and we were just talking, and, and he just said something which struck with me. It struck with me in the midst of a conversation. He just said, Mark, once upon a time, not that long ago, you could, if you're a parent, get your kids into a church, get them to go to a youth group, maybe a Christian school, and just through the power of socialization, there was a good chance they were going to continue in their faith. And what he's saying now is with the internet, with everything that's happened, that is just gone thinking that you can hit some sort of neutral of faith, and this applies not just to raising kids, this applies to your faith life, your marriage, your singleness, work, anything. Where we are as a culture now, floating on neutral, accepting the status quo, not wanting to push into the hard stuff, actually means that acceptance of the status quo will become assimilation. And this is why this is a moment. There is a moment of incredible opportunity our team is having more conversations with people on the street who are opening up about their faith. There is an evangelistic door opening soon. It happened to me this week. I ended up speaking to someone I spoke to, you know, just on the streets around the neighborhood multiple times. Just started opening up. I was like, well, goodness me. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about the future. There is a, a moment opening where I think there's going to be a tremendous, huge opportunity for the church. But at that moment as well, that's not just going to be met by us continuing to do the same thing again and again. Oh, let's turn up to church every four weeks. Turn up. Like the stuff we're asking is we need people to volunteer to ensure the next generation will continue. We need people to tithe to actually ensure the kingdom will go forward. This is a moment. Now, I'm actually incredibly excited. I spent so much of my life like feeling pessimistic whenever else was pumped. But weirdly now everyone's getting pessimistic and I'm getting pumped. <laughs> and I think it's because God has placed on my heart... A vision for renewal. And I know that crisis precedes renewal. You've probably heard me say that again and again. I'm going to keep saying it again and again. We're in a moment. And there is an opportunity before you. And we get to tell a story with our lives and the actions we choose and what we commit to that actually is going to birth, I think, incredible things in the church. <coughs> but to do this, it's not just going to happen cruising on status quo, just cruising on acceptance that this is how things are. This is actually going to happen when we step into our authority in Christ. Our actions are going to match the moment. We're in a crisis in opportunity, but we can't meet this moment. We can't meet this crisis. We can't take the opportunity in our own strength. We have to step into his authority, realize his authority is working through us and make a deliberate choice to exercise the authority he's delegated through you. And what's amazing is when you face these moments, when you face like, I'm going to step into this. And this, I think, will happen. If you, if you go from here, some of you are going to find spiritual pushback, spiritual warfare. Some of you are going to find you coming against the cultural scripts that's in your mind, how the world's formed you. Some of you are going to find that inner Mick Jagger peacock strutting around the living room of your mind, having a go. But you know what? Jesus, 
just in this classic way, almost this judo move, where he takes the challenge. And what's amazing is you've got authority. It's been given to you as a gift of grace. We didn't deserve it, but when we give our lives to Jesus, it's ours. But he uses challenges to grow that authority. Yes, you are given authority, but you can grow it through stepping into those challenges with him. You can grow it in intimacy. Jesus says in John 15, stay close to the vine. That's where life is. Stay close to where the authority is. When we press in at those moments, when perhaps our friends may be walking away, when perhaps perhaps it's difficult, when perhaps we've got to give up what we think our heart desires for him, that's actually when Jesus begins to turn up and our authority begins to grow. That's what we need in the next era. We don't need more positionally powerful Christians. We don't need more Christians of experts in every intellectual thing. We don't need Christians who just can like wow the world with their social skills. We need actually Christians who have authority. That's how this moment will be taken. Now, as I started with, Trudy was meant to uh, preach this week. And on Friday night, Trudy had been out to a dinner and we were talking um, when she'd come back. And I was just sharing a bit with where I felt I was at. And I just had been reflecting how leading through a pandemic for two and a half years and before that, leading, leading a church which had sort of grown from 20 to what Red had become just before the pandemic, we were leading four services in two locations, leading through all of that, and then leading into a pandemic where you're constantly having to guess what the next thing is, plan ahead. Are we going to get shut down here? How do we do church? How do we manage all the craziness of a pandemic? Doing that. And then also, at the same time, sort of doing different podcasts and speaking and writing, trying to lead leaders all around the world through this crazy moment, I said to Trudy, I am so tired. It's not like a normal tired. It's like just this mental exhaustion of continually having to think. I got to travel for the first time I've mentioned last week. And I was like, I've been going through this here. And to go to the UK, speak to all these leaders, go across New Zealand, speak to all these leaders. And then here, they're all going through the same thing. And I said to Trudy, I just feel so mentally tired. I feel like I've got not a whole lot left in the tank. I've just written a book. There's not a lot in here. Trudy, I am so glad you're preaching this Sunday. Because I just need a Saturday not to think. We get up. Trudy's like, we're so attuned now to any sort of cold and flu symptom. It's like, uh-oh, sore throat, runny nose. And I had a little moment. Mick Jagger appeared. All right, you're going to preach now. Right, yep. Always you. Yep. Got nothing, mate. Nothing in the tank. Circuit board in your head. It's just burnt out. This is going to be a disaster. I felt. I listened to the still, small voice. And at that moment, I just felt the still, small voice of God saying, Mark, you don't need to know what to say. You don't need to have a talk. 
You don't need to have something that you've got up your sleeve. You don't need to step into a moment where you wow everyone because you can just come up with something on the spot. I literally had nothing. I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, step into the authority in Christ that you have. And I went through this little process and I just would love to share this with you now. The first thing I did, this is our like takeaways, the first thing I did is I felt, that God, felt God inviting me to meditate upon Christ's authority. Christ who defeated death. Christ who raised from the dead on the third day. Christ who faced down Rome, who faced down the religious leaders of the day. Christ who now is at the right hand of God, at the control rooms of the universe, who poured out his spirit upon the church. Christ has authority over every spiritual entity, over every king and ideology and power and state and anything I may face. Christ, who died for my sinful nature, my flesh, his voice is beautiful and true and wise and loving. And I just got an image of Christ's authority. I thought about how he's worked in my life. I'm literally on Saturday sitting on the ground in front of the heater with nothing by just meditating on Christ's authority. I need a reminder. I need a refresher in that. The second thing that I felt God then inviting me into was then, okay, this is the authority. You need to accept his authority over my life. Yeah. Say yes again. I've said yes, but sometimes you've got to say yes again, not to be saved again. But often at moments when it seems difficult, that's actually an invitation for Christ. He comes before us and says yes to you again, your authority over my life. You have my life. You have my life. Not my will, but yours. I surrender at this moment. In a really ordinary way, on a cold Melbourne Morning in the week that neighbors ended. <laughs> I'm just there on the carpet, really ordinary. Again, God, not my will, but yours. But then the challenge, okay, that's lovely, a lovely moment. Why can't I just do that all Saturday? No, you actually have to preach. You've got to preach at a moment when you think you can't preach. There's plenty of times I think I can preach. I'm excited about an idea. I've been reading something. But Mark, I'm going to ask you to preach in a moment when you can't preach. This is your moment of challenge. Mick Jagger's rocking around my office there, just, just throwing words at me like a peacock. It's such a stupid metaphor. Like peacocks aren't your inner voice, but it, it just works. I'm going with it. And at that moment, I had to step into the authority and say, I am stepping into the authority. God can give me the words. Jesus can give me his, like his, his power at this moment. I'm stepping into his authority. I'm not going to preach in my authority. I'm going to preach in his authority. I'm never going to preach in my authority. I'm called to preach in his authority. I had to step into Christ's authority in the moment and the place of my challenge. <coughs> now, that was a very time-specific one. I believe there are challenges in the room that are clearly before some people's front of mind of your challenge of something you've been wrestling with. There is a conflict. There is a personal issue. There's a fear. There's a, a lack of something. There's a limitation. Whatever it may be, 
God is asking you to go from here and see that differently, stepping into that, not as yourself, not with the voice going, not with the world going, but actually step into that in the authority of Christ. Step into it in the authority of Christ. Meet the challenge, but not as yourself. Let Christ meet the challenge for you. And then lastly, you can see the story. I realized after the 9 a.m. services, people came up that what God was sharing through me was actually something that actually people really needed to hear. Was it everyone? I don't know. But I believe there are people in this room who need to hear that that authority in Christ is the posture you are called to take in the world. And what was happening there was that I had chosen to step into Christ's authority and then through doing that, That authority was then going out, calling others to take up that authority. You were called to step into the authority of Christ because that's why you were made as a human being, to step into God's authority, to be his agent into the world, to take that in all the spaces and places in which you live. That's what the world needs at the moment. That's what the church that's going to meet this moment, the movement that's going to come out of this moment is actually the church which steps out no longer in our authority. Whizbang Church, Event Church, this constellation of church, this versus that, every program, not going to work in the next season. What's going to work in the next season is the people of God stepping out in the authority of Christ in all the spaces and places that God has sent us out into. So I believe that in the next few moments, God wants to do something in us. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. And we're going to enter into some worship, but I also just wanted to pray. Let's stand. Because I believe that there's actually an invitation before us now. So I'm just going to begin to pray. Father, thank you that you created us as humans to be stewards of your authority in the world. Jesus, thank you that you give us your authority. We don't have to do it in our strength. Your authority is over everything. And so we just at this moment want to acknowledge your authority. We want to acknowledge it over any earthly philosophy, ideology, power, ruler, nation, state. We just recognize your authority above all other authorities. Jesus, we recognize your authority over any spirit that comes against God, any impure spirit, any demonic force in Jesus' name. We bind them. We claim your authority over them in the name of Jesus Christ. So, Father, if anything is operating in this space that is not of you, we just hold your authority above it. And we ask it to leave in your name. And, Father, if anyone in this room is being oppressed and being kept from stepping into what you have for them through any demonic entity in Jesus' name. We pray against that right now. And in Jesus Christ's name, we ask it to be bound. We ask it to be gone. And Jesus, we just ask your authority to quash the authorities we've let into our minds the strutting, preening, arrogant voice of self-doubt, of self-critique, of self-hatred, of spiritual doubts, 
that voice which may be linked to some figure in our past, but actually speaks words that are not of you. In Jesus' name, we just claim Jesus' authority over those voices, and we actually ask your forgiveness for we'll let those voices run ragged in our inner worlds. And we only want to hear your voice now, Jesus. Your voice who doesn't see us or our sin or our shame, but just sees us washed clean by the blood of Jesus upon the cross. And Jesus, we know we can't coast. We know accepting the status quo is going to see us assimilated into the world. Father, we reject the spirit of hopelessness in this moment, hopelessness about our world, hopelessness about our individual lives, hopelessness about our futures, the myth that things are just always going to stay the same. We know in you there is hope. We know, Jesus, you are, your kingdom is breaking out in the world. We know that you will return. We know that the new Jerusalem will come. And so in your name, Jesus, we just pray against any scripts which have kept us in bondage in our minds. And at this moment, we choose. And if you're, if you're praying with me, I just encourage you, if, if God's doing something, pray this in your heart with me. Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we choose to take on Christ's authority, not our authority at this moment. In that conflict, in that self-doubt, in that area of temptation, in that area of doubt, in our workplaces, in our relationships, in our marriage, in our singleness, whatever area, Father, we take on your authority. May your power work through us. Because we know in the world there is an opportunity, a window, a door opening of opportunity for your church, and we want to meet it. Father, we ask in your name, in your authority to fill those spaces we need in our generation's ministry. Father, we ask in your name to fill the financial need. Father, we ask in your name, just against all the things that have come against people being part of your community. We pray that not just for Red Church, we pray in the churches in Melbourne and beyond. We ask in your authority to begin to tell a new story. Fill that need. And so now as we worship, just let the Spirit do its, its work amongst us. Let the Spirit move and minister as we step into His authority. Let's worship. Thank you.